Industry Pods and Evergreen Podcast Network are pleased to present the following podcast. Some amazing insights there. A huge thank you to the Tesla's team for giving us a little glimpse into what we can expect in the future. Really looking forward to seeing that. Now here to share their experiences on developing Tesla's are Vikshai, Anastasia Condora, Emil Swendon and Joe Magley and also Josh DeSant in a panel moderated by Tesla's Commons Corey Show. everyone. Hi. Hello. Nice to see you all. I think we're still waiting on one person. I'm not sure if Joe is going to make it. <clears throat> but great to see you all. It's been a long time for some of you. <laughs> um, we can just hop right into, hop right into it. Uh, I'm Corey Sarf. I'm the executive director of the Tezos Commons Foundation. Um, we handle a lot of different things from community to various dev integrations around the world. Um, if each of you could just do a short introduction and share what you're working on, that'd be great. Hey everyone, I'm Emil Swenson and I'm working uh, on BakeBuddy, which is a GUI tool to make baking easier, basically. Well, I'm Anastasia. I'm product owner of the Quiposlop. Uh, recently, we have finished uh, farms and uh, governance smart contracts development. And now we are working on the new front end for the old Quiposlop. And also, we are working on the new version of the Quiposlop smart contracts that will support talking to token exchangers, talking to XTZ exchanges. We'll have better uh, bakers' reward distribution, better voting for the bakers, and uh, many other cool stuff. Vishak? Cool. Uh, hey, I'm Vishak from Propanomic. Um, we've been involved in the Tether ecosystem since 2017. And we make a whole bunch of tools, a wallet, APIs, libraries, you name it, and a bunch of other projects as well. So we're pretty active for a long time in the Tether ecosystem. Definitely. Hey, I'm Josh. I'm a engineer with uh, Interpop. Uh, I'm also a partner in Chain of Insight and the founder of Crunchy. Uh, and currently, I'm working on a whole bunch of stuff, a lot of it NFT related. You're all over the place lately. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So, for each of you, how long ago did you get into Tezos? And what made you choose to start building on Tezos rather than other chains? Uh, whether it's something that like made it more appealing as a developer or just uh, any reason whatsoever. Yeah. Emil? Well, let me go first. Basically, I'm a, compared to all of you, I'm a newcomer to Tezos, a very recent one. I came, um, so what attracted me actually was the drama of everything going on <laughs> back in late 2019. Uh, I looked at all the arguments and from there, I just kind of followed the path back to, you know, why Tezos is actually uh, the L1 that's going to win everything. So then shortly after I started the uh, Baking Benjamin's Baker, and I've been building on Tezos ever since. I remember when you came in, but uh, so yeah, it, was, it was a little later, and you definitely became a, a very fast, eager participant in the ecosystem. Always around helping everyone. Appreciate that. <clears throat> Uh, 
Um, well, uh, a few years actually, we uh, learned about the Tezos a few years ago. Uh, we have joined Eastern European Tezos Hackathon and um, prepared kind of three proof of concept of the products. It was uh, Wallet, um, IMM, and uh, Solidity Trigo Compiler. And uh, we won uh, with two of them. And uh, the products were kind of amazing, and we received the grants to continue developing them. And then they turn it into Quiposwap, Temple Wallet, and Solidity to Legal Compiler. And as for the appealing stuff for the developers, it's definitely the Mikkelson, the language of the smart contracts, uh, because it's kind of makes us feel safer because it's type of language and uh, is designed for formal verification. So. Yeah, it's a big one compared to using Solidity or Ethereum yeah. in general. Yeah, like sure. I said, uh, we started in 2017. And at that time, uh, on-chain governance was just a sort of promise. But there were really acrimonious wars going on at that time. So it was especially uh, alluring as an idea back then. Um, and uh, functional programming and formal verification group. They were really novel. A lot of people trying to do it now, but at that time it was really unique. And that's what really got it started. And uh, we also saw obviously a, a great opportunity in the Tether space because we felt at some point it was gonna be very successful. So uh, we felt more than the other incumbent chains at that point, Tether made the most sense. And ever since, uh, you know, we made a lot of friends along the way. So. Uh, half the reason we build on Tezos is because of all these relationships, the strong community and uh, really talented and committed people that we've met along the way. And, you know, it's 2021 now. It's a really different uh, situation than 2017, 2018, um, having gone through the initial launch, the maturation of the technology. But you can really see some of that promise uh, coming through now, uh, especially in the NFT space. So... They're, they're, and, you know, it's become so hard to track all the projects that are happening on Tezos. So, again, I, I can give you a lot of ideological reasons, but, you know, opportunity, opportunity, opportunity. Yeah, for so long, we were this small, close-knit community, and everybody knew each other. And basically this year, really, largely due to the NFT rush, uh, the community just exploded, which is a good thing. <laughs> Can't keep up. Yeah. Josh? Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm relatively new to Tezos. Um, before this, uh, I was on like a crypto puzzle solving team and we kind of did some Ethereum hackathons. Um, and then we got invited to do uh, a Tezos hackathon around late 2019, early 2020. Um, and we did that and we won a prize in that. Um, and so we just kind of kept going and did some more Tezos hackathons, and then you know I got talking to some of the people uh, at TQ. They were working for developer help, so you know, kind of one thing led to another, and I got hired there. Um, I started to get active in the community, um, and you know, I would say really probably the community is you know why I stayed. You know, like you said, it was like a really tight knit community. Everybody knew everybody. Everybody was welcoming. It was a lot different than my experience in the Ethereum community. Um, and also because a lot of stuff is new in Tezos, right? Um, you can come here as a developer and like have a real impact on things, right? 
whereas like mm -hmm. in ethereum we couldn't do that like you know one thing we were trying to do uh was better metadata standards for ethereum um around like rich metadata and we just couldn't get any traction like nobody wanted to change anything mm -hmm. um so we came here though and um i authored tsip 21 which is now the nft metadata standard for Tezos. so it's just an example of like how somebody can come and you know have a real impact so i would say that's a large part of the reason that i stuck with Tezos as well yeah for sure <clears throat> And so when you were first getting involved with Tezos development, what sort of challenges did you face? And do those challenges still exist if somebody is entering today or were they fixed by the ecosystem? And if they do still exist, what can we do to make that easier for new people joining today? So when I first got started with Tezos development, my biggest challenge was that I was a, a newbie at kind of development work in general. That was kind of when I was getting uh, my primitives down and stuff like that. So for me, the biggest challenge was at the time finding the right documentation. The documentation portal at that point was not as, as good as it is now. Uh, I think now we're at a point where it's starting, like the first place I go is I just Google Tezos documentation and it's there. It's great. It has all the answers I need, most of them. And then uh, Tezos Commons is doing some work with documentation that I'm a big fan of. And, you know, this for me is still the biggest challenge. A lot of people are still under the impression that it's hard to find documentation and resources for Tezos. But once, you know, I help them and other people help them, uh, they get sorted out and there's usually no problems. Um, then technically speaking, the biggest challenge for me, especially in uh, Bake Buddy development, is uh, relying on my own RPC node for certain things. Uh, unfortunately, uh, those have to be gotten from the explorers, and I would really prefer not to have to do that. But like, for example, if you query all your writes in a certain way, uh, your RPC node will stop uh, everything else for about five, three to five minutes or so. So that is somewhat of a challenge, but there's ways to work around it. And I think uh, we're in a little bit of a precarious time for Tezos because uh, Tenderbake is not implemented yet. And I think Tenderbake is going to kick off a whole bunch of other things, including uh, RPC uh, rewriting efforts. So I think we're in a great path right now and all the problems are getting resolved. Yeah, that baking rights RPC is a, a notorious one. <laughs> okay, um, actually as for me, um, the biggest challenge for me was uh, the lack of great tools when we only have started and uh, the fact that the standards were not stable and they were only in the development at that point of time. Also, we faced uh, issues with the gas type, size, uh, storage, operation size limits, and so on. And actually, it was the time when uh, adding the single line and the code uh, of your in your smart contract could break everything because you don't fit into these limits. Yeah, it was really painful. And... Um, at that time, there were no uh, frameworks for smart contract developments. There was Takita, uh, there was um, Truffle that uh, stopped to support some newest protocols. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was hard. But now I think that uh, most of these issues are solved, especially uh, that issues that are related to the limits because uh, after the Granada net, everything started to work smoothly and you can write as many logic as you need. Mm -hmm. uh, and as for the tools, they are much, much prettier and uh, 
handful than before. Yeah, I think there are a lot of projects that were just waiting to release their product for those upgrades to go through so the gas limits would be improved. Yeah, when we started out, uh, there was literally nothing. And it was exhilarating because, you know, you could build a whole world. Um, and I like to think that, you know, late 2017, early 2018, as things got a little bit more settled, I think as an ecosystem, as people who came across multiple projects, we, uh, we did this long march through building this very, very ambitious, unprecedented system. And I just like to keep reminding people that it wasn't clear that any of this stuff was actually going to work smoothly <laughs> or properly. And I remember the first protocol upgrade and what a moment it was, right? Like uh, a lot of people pulled all-nighters just watching it really, really minutely and carefully. But that just shows you how tenuous and uncertain things were and how much, uh, how much of an effort we thought each upgrade, each change was going to be. Um, so that was really the biggest challenge, the complete lack of anything, and most importantly, the lack of precedence. But now we've been through multiple upgrades and uh, you know they, they just kind of go without a hitch. So structurally, I think that's the most important thing. Uh, if you're going to adopt a platform like Tether that undergoes an upgrade every uh, you know every three, four, five months, then you need to have the confidence that the upgrade process is going to work smoothly. Uh, and uh, you know that, that kind of confidence we now have because people don't really even think about the import of the next up, uh, the, the actual upgrade. We're just used to the whole network kind of upgrading itself. Um, and then finally, as uh, you know, as part of a team that builds many, many, many different kinds of projects on Tezos, um, because most of the brunt of the, uh, the, the specialized features of Tezos fall on the node. Um, they're initially, you know, the node, uh, uh, it, it could be brittle, it could be, uh, it could be problematic sometimes. But it's come a long way. It's a lot more stable. People can run it without much effort locally. But I think there's still a great opportunity there. So many uh, interesting um, improvements coming. And and the most one of the things I'm really excited about is the TezEdge node written in Rust. Um, and we recently uh, had a demo with the team. And I think that's going to really bring down the cost. And the OCaml node, of course, really going to bring down the cost of um, running Tezos infrastructure. And that's going to be a really, really essential ingredient to uh, sort of everyone scaling up to the next level. I know Cryptonomic has runs a node service as well. Are you, are you also running test versions of the Rust node? Uh, yeah, uh, Rust node, we're still playing with it. Uh, mm -hmm. There is a significant upgrade about to come in the Rust node. As soon as that happens, um, we're going to start using it. But GigaNode, I believe, might already be using it. Yeah, I think they're running one. Cool. Josh? Uh, yeah, so uh, when I started developing on Tezos, it was right around the time of the um, Babylon to Carthage net upgrade. Um, so as far as developer tools, there, were, like, there really weren't that many. Uh, there was no Temple or Thanos, as it was called, when it first came out. Um, we had Tezbridge for Web3 mm -hmm. development, um, if anybody remembers Tezbridge. Um, 
the taquito was in its infancy. Um, uh, Lego was pretty infant at that point. Um, so those were the tools that we had. And so I started doing smart contracts in Lego. I still do them in Lego. It's my favorite smart contract language. Um, I still do the old school Pascal Lego. Um, uh, yeah, so it was, there was not much documentation. Uh, there weren't a lot of tools. Um, and so I guess, I don't know, <laughs> maybe I'm a glutton for punishment, but you know, that was kind of like the fun, like figuring it out, uh, developing things, you know, making stuff work. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, a lot, a lot of that stuff has been solved. I'd say the developer tools now are, you know, light years beyond where they were when I started. Um, to me, I think when I think about it, um, something challenging for a developer entering um, could be the rate of change. Cause now we have like upgrades every three months, right? And that could be potentially daunting to like a new developer, like all oh, every three months, I've got to deal with like this upgrade and like learn the new stuff that's coming out, right? Um, another thing that I think is kind of challenging um, even to developers who are experienced in Tezos is that we currently don't have um, any permanent test that, right? Um, so if I'm developing something over a long period of time, let's say um, developing something over a year, right? There's no permanent test net. So every upgrade when the old test net goes away, I've got to like redo everything on the new test net. Um, so that's something that I'm working with uh, a group of people who are trying to come up with a plan for a permanent test net. So hopefully that will be solved fairly shortly. Yeah, I've considered things like that in the past. Um, and you touched on the... The next question is uh, everybody's favorite tools to build on Tezos. So you want most useful tools that you use most often or smart contract language or whatever you feel is most useful to you in your day-to-day -day development. Um, so I guess I don't do a lot of conventional Tezos development in the smart contract. And, but my favorite tool for, you know, the basic stuff that I do do is the keto and SmartPy because it's it's simple. I can just, you know, write very simple, you know, logic that I do know how to write on there. Then as far as my favorite Tezos tool at this time is actually Tezos Node, Tezos Client, Tezos Admin Client, because, you know, these are the, the tools that I use to uh, interact with the GUI portion uh, of the uh, BakeBuddy tool. Um, but I, I am definitely looking into uh, exploring more smart contract stuff because that's where the fun stuff is too. Cool. Well, uh, actually, as a smart contract developer, for me uh, to better look at this question from the smart contract perspective, so for me, the favorite language is Lego. It's really convenient to use. It's deaf-friendly, and I like the team that develops it quickly and reflects the changes in the protocol quite just after they appear. Yeah, and uh, of course, there are some like issues with warnings and, and so on, but they are minor. And with each new release, it becomes better and better. And of course, we use Takito uh, and FlexTessa for development and testing. And I do like uh, Poetezas with their um, Mikkelson interpreter that allows to write uh, tests quite quickly and they um, take a little time to execute. Have you also tried writing in SmartPy? Yeah, but I can't say that I like it. <laughs> yeah, everyone has their own preference. Yep. So we got one one SmartPy and two Lego so far, I think. Yeah, I gotta gotta side with SmartPy on this one. Everyone <laughs> in my company, um, not that Lego isn't great, but 
We just uh, uh, love working in SmartPy. But the other thing that uh, I really appreciate is Beacon. Beacon's still going through some iterations, but it really kind of turbocharged the Tezos DAP space before Beacon. Um, things were tough, but now, um, you know, pretty much anyone can build a Tezos app and it works with any wallet. So it's really so nice to see uh, in Ethereum, people are a little bit trapped in MetaMask, which you know may or may not be a bad thing, but uh, in the spirit of decentralization, you build a Beacon app, it can work with all these different apps. So uh, even though there are many options on Ethereum and other chains, but the default is kind of MetaMask, where then Tezos, there, there is no default. You, you, you work with a Beacon-enabled app as a developer, you make a Beacon-enabled app, and people just use it with whatever wallet they do, which is fantastic. Yeah, anytime I introduce a new developer to Beacon, they're always surprised at how easy it is to just throw a little code snippet in there and just connect that into any Tezos wallet you want and start messing around. I'm going to have to be the tiebreaker because I also like SmartPy, but Ligo is also an amazing team doing amazing things. It's just more of a preference because I like Python and I like the testing environments. There's another Python language coming for framework coming for Tezos. I think it's being rolled out. Uh, yeah. So maybe there'll be some votes for that in the future as well. Maybe next year's LA blockchain. <laughs> Bring them all. It's every language. <laughs> and Josh. Um, I think yeah. you already mentioned SmartPy. Right? <laughs> no, I said Lego. I'm Lego. I'm a Lego guy. Oh yeah, Lego and Takito. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Ligo, um, you know, day in, day out, you're using Taquito. Um, I like to use PyTezos for testing uh, because they've created um, they created a REPL where you can actually um, run smart contract tests without actually having to communicate with the node, which makes them run much faster. So it's great for, like, quick unit tests and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, doing local development, you like to run a sandbox. So um, I run mine in Kubernetes. Uh, it's like TZKT, um, a node, uh, BCD API. Um, and then for production, um, I also use Test Tools API uh, from time to time, uh, which Joe wasn't able to make it, I guess. Um, but yeah. <laughs> He's supposed to be here. <clears throat> What are you most looking forward to in the Tezos ecosystem? It could be a tool, an next protocol upgrade, or an application, or anything you want. Uh, yeah, I'm looking for like a trifecta of things. I think that will really put Tezos front and center as a, a contender. Um, and the number one thing is Tenderbake. We need to have a successful Tenderbake migration, and we need to get uh, at some point, those finality times uh, sub 10 seconds for a lot of different applications. And then on the DeFi end, we need a couple of pieces still. Uh, for me, um, lending platforms, really important. And uh, flash loans, um, also super important. And then I think from there, it'll just blossom. As for me, I'm waiting for the next protocol upgrade, Heroku, because it will bring in view methods, because it's really painful from the smart contract perspective to, um, you know, use callbacks, read some data from another contract and receive it. And, you know, it actually creates some um, 
attack vectors, and so on. Uh, as for the RDAPs, I absolutely agree. Uh, we definitely need landing protocol, and actually, uh, Matfish builds one of them, call, uh, building, is building one of them called Yupana, but I'm not sure that it will be soon. Uh, also, um, I think that we need uh, some tools for uh, security. I mean, some static analyzers of a server to make uh, checks easier. And I guess that's it. Totally agree on the learning platform. Uh, we're also working on one and uh, the smart contracts on, uh, on testnet already, uh, the UIC worked on. And uh, obviously it's good to have multiple landing platforms. Um, but in general, like if, if we zoom out, for me, the most important thing long-term has always been something that's unique to Tezos. So a lot of the applications and tools we have, they mirror stuff that is already tested on other genes. Um, but given sort of the unique characteristics of Tezos, I can't, if, 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 I could, if I could tell you guys exactly what I was looking for, then it would be done by now. But I'm still looking for the thing that is Tezos native, comes first on Tezos, it's widely successful, it takes advantage of at least one of the three or four USBs of Tezos, and, uh, and especially if it's something related to governance, right? If some, someone puts in a protocol level feature that enables a unique application, then that would be really huge for me. So one small example is time locks are being introduced in the upcoming protocol. And that makes it possible to do some uh, sort of unprecedented applications that would be really, really hard to do on other chains, if not impossible. Uh, so that's kind of getting there. But again, I, I'm not giving you a great answer, but <laughs> I think we're on the cusp of something that's going to be Tezos first and then rapidly copied across other chains. Yeah. Um, as, as a developer or a contract developer, um, I'm most looking forward to um, the constants coming in the upcoming upgrade. Although I think it would be kind of interesting to see how that plays out because uh, I believe anybody can create any constant and name it whatever they want. So um, <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see what collaboration there is or if people are just going to like mad dash to take like the common names for things and like how that's going to turn out. Um, but I think like a suite of library of like common functions that people can use. Um, that's going to be big for contract developers. Um, and hopefully we play nice with each other when we create these um, come up with come up with some standard ways to name them so that we're not stepping on each other um, yeah. myself in addition to tenderbeak of course i also want to get those finality times down uh your own team josh well interpop anyway uh i'm looking forward to emergence finally coming out because uh, gaming is one of my my biggest things so i'm looking i think uh blockchain can really push forward and hopefully emergence comes soon and we can play it <laughs> yeah yeah we're working on it it's looking good um this should be a lot of fun there's a lot of interest in it um we're dropping cards every week and people are buying them up so yeah super excited for it me too <clears throat> If you could build anything that you're not already working on, what would it be? Um, I would say 
just because of, of what I do generally in Tezos, which is a lot of Discord, Telegram stuff, uh, the next thing that I will probably start building is uh, Discord and Telegram bots that kind of do everything and make the, uh, you know, the social interaction uh, for like just everyday stuff, drops, giveaways, uh, tipping, stuff like that. Just make it all work together so that, you know, we can also have some 30 thousand fifty thousand person discords that are just doing uh tezos all day uh that's kind of what uh we're just starting to see now form and uh it's really interesting to see um i think uh there will be an upcoming uh tezos boom in the socials and uh that's kind of what i uh, what i want to build up next there's also a lot of desire to do verifications at the discord level mm -hmm. to connect addresses to a discord user Exactly, yeah. Uh, that'll be huge for us. Actually, there are two things that pop up in my mind. Uh, first of them is uh, Oracle's network, something like Chainlink, configurations that would uh, send random numbers, true random numbers, or prices, or some custom data to the um, to the chain. And the second thing is uh, bridges to uh, some UVM-based blockchains or Solana. Uh, of course, I know that there is a wrap protocol, but it only was, works with Ethereum, and there are more chains to explore and to link to the Tezos. I think they were integrating a few other chains, but I'm not sure when the ETAs are. I mean, I could, I could talk about this for an hour, but three... <laughs> Things in, in real brief that I would love to build if I, you know, if we ever have the time. Um, one is, so I, I used to work in finance for many years, so I did derivatives on Wall Street. And uh, there's a big disruption possibility uh, using formal verification, using some of the features of Tezos to build truly compositional finance that works sort of both in the DeFi and the normal finance domain. So that would be lovely to do, a bit distinct from DeFi. Uh, compositional finance. Um, another would be uh, sort of really uh, turbocharging NFTs, um, having a more decentralized version of NFTs where NFTs are sort of minted directly from the wallet. Um, sort of uh, discovery uh, is it also happens within the wallet. You don't need to use an intermediary. You don't need to. You don't need to uh, pay commissions at all. Like you should, as, as a creator, you should be able to fully operate. Within the wallet, it should be unshutdownable. And uh, the third thing is, I, you know, really love to work on something that allows uh, sort of global col collaboration as a protocol feature. So, like, kind of build DAOs into the protocol itself. Because Tethers was originally and still supposed to be a digital commonwealth. So, facilitating mm -hmm. the commonwealth, I think, is really important. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, this is a tough one to answer. Um, I, I'm already working on so much stuff. <laughs> and there's so much stuff that could be worked on. You know, it's so hard. I have like ideas for like NFTs. Um, like I have this one idea that probably will never come to fruition, but is to um, create NFTs that represent blocks of time um, and auction them off and then you get your block of time and you can do whatever with that that you want and like um 
you know, like have a mobile app where people can record videos and upload them. And then there's just like this whole wall of like uh, this linear time of like uh, NFTs and people in people on different blocks of time um, and have different like videos in them. And so then you can play it as like one whole like streaming video. So like mm -hmm. 24 hours in a day, maybe. And everybody like puts their video together and you can like play that as like one continuous video. Um, <clears throat> that's what I know. It would also be fun for like a written story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had this idea for this um, for this game where where you create a room and like each room is an NFT and then you can connect them to other people's rooms. And then so like everybody together kind of builds this like world, turns into this like big world and then it can have like an economy within it and stuff. So like, I mean, I've got tons of like these ideas, but no time to do them. So probably have never seen any of these, but if anybody hears this and wants to take it and run, feel free. <laughs> <clears throat> so what do each of you see personally as the best use case for tezos and why whether it's nfts or stos or DeFi or specific industry what i think take? our main use case is governance you know that's how tezos started and that's kind of what we're doing now everything through governance um, so recently, a tool was released that makes governance easier, just like there was a tool released that makes minting NFTs easier. And I'm not sure what the catalyst will be for this, but I think when people discover that they can form autonomous governance organizations and use them for all kinds of things, that's, you know, that's going to be a breakthrough use case. As for me, I thought about it quite a lot. And actually, I think that Tezos is based, as, as, as soon as Tezos is based on liquid proof of stake, and uh, these mechanics uh, change a lot uh, game theory and uh, economy forces. And that's why I think that DeFi can have some kind of different turn uh, on this platform. And uh, I think we can find some unexpected use cases. Andres with DeFi. Uh, and as for the grounded use cases, I guess I guess that is NFT because it's pretty understandable for people. And uh, Andres is pretty cheap. Agree with, with everything said so far. And on governance, I think uh, it would be really good for Tezos, oddly, if there was a really acrimonious governance upgrade. Like the first time on a on, an unexpected governance upgrade just kind of squeaks its way past and uh, like the community split in half, I think that would actually be really good for Tezos and really prove up the process. And uh, again, agreeing with everybody, uh, but I would add it's more, so it's, the blockchain space is really crowded. You have all kinds of different blockchains. They all have pros and cons, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so it's very hard to compete I think on certain segments or features, uh, but I would recommend Tezos to anyone who believes in uh, doing things in a bottom-up community, uh, of people who value decentralization, people who value uh, technical grit and, uh, and, the, and, and an interest in um, experimenting at the very protocol layer, at the most fundamental level. So, so it's more the spirit of doing things than any particular thing you can do. But again, I agree with everyone. Yeah, yeah, I, de I definitely agree with all that. Um, 
and I just kind of want to reiterate, um, you know, the like the grassroots thing, um, and kind of like the bottom up, right? Um, you know, a lot of chains they don't have necessarily the, the tech the tech behind them, um, but you know, they've got they've got the marketing and the hype. You know, whereas you know we've got the tech, um, and and so um, you know, as a as a developer, you know, it makes me proud to work on Tezos. You know, work on um, you know great tech. Um, you know, and there's there's a lot of great minds in Tezos. Um, so yeah, in addition to everything that was said, yeah, that's just what I want to point out is you know all of the great developers and the great minds and everybody um you know working on everything so um yeah. mm -hmm. speaking of great minds out of all of our competitors who do you think is the biggest competitor for tezos on a technology level as a protocol and in your opinion where can tezos improve to better compete with them um, I think we don't really have any other competitors. We have partners, we have test nets that are doing their own great things in the centralized matter sometimes. And that actually results in some great tech that maybe later we can adopt. So whether they succeed or fail, I look at Tezos as competing with itself, with its dark side. So we have to make sure that we give our best effort we champion the ideas that we believe in. We get involved in governance because that is really our lifeblood. And uh, we're going to keep fighting with ourselves most of all. The others don't really matter. In my opinion, uh, the main competitor is Serum. Um, as, as I said, it was uh, the first smart contract platform. Uh, but I think that Jesus has a killer feature, which is called private transactions. And I think that teams should build more products using it and uh, make it more friendly for the users. And uh, the other thing, uh, I think that we can improve to be on the level of a serum. It's making the, um, it's improving the nodes, the code base of our nodes. Because now it's written on a camel and not that many uh, developers know this language to contribute, to improve it. And I think that we have uh, to have an implementation on another language just to diversify uh, this process. For anyone listening um, that is not so familiar with Tezos, the, the privacy aspect that she was talking about is that Tezos enables you to use ZK snarks within smart contracts. So you're able to create private applications, which is an amazing feature. And like she said, not so many people are using it yet. And I also would love to see people get some applications running using Snarks, definitely. Yeah, for that reason, uh, for me, the main competitors are other chains that have uh, in some way uh, a big treasury behind them. Because uh, again, blockchains are incredibly competitive. The space is super crowded. Um, everyone's trying a million different things. Some things are gonna stick, some things are not. Some best practices are gonna evolve. And really it's about sort of persisting in the long term because a chain like Tezos uh, using on-chain governance and uh, you know a, a well-funded, uh, well-run foundation behind it could simply adopt, simply keep through osmosis, just keep adapting, and uh, and when you know when the dust settles, survive as one of the one of the dominant chains. So uh, it's almost like a game of attrition between all the different chains. 
I, I don't know which who the the well-funded chains and well-funded in a manner of speaking chains uh, there are, uh, but those would be the long-term competitors, I think. And I think the biggest the biggest threat is simply uh, to to lose the momentum that that we have right now. So much hard work we've come to the stage where there are compounding effects. So it's very important not to do anything that uh, sort of has a negative momentum. Hard to think what it would be, but. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, I don't, I don't know that we're going to name any specific chain, but, but I think, you know, a competitor is going to be whoever can attract, right, the most talent, right, the most developer talent, right, whoever can attract the liquidity, right, those are going to be the competitors, and especially the chains that can attract the real talent in the space are going to be the ones to watch for the real innovation coming in the years to come, right, um, so, you know. In my opinion, those are going to be the ones to watch out for. The ones that can attract and retain um, talent in the space are, are going to be, because those are going to be your innovators. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of hype in this industry, but it's probably only a handful of chains that are actually getting a lot of actual dev traction. And thankfully, Tezos has been one of them really growing a lot this year, especially. And of course, all of you have been around for a long time. And we've had a very good dev community from the start. And that's part of why I'm here as well.